You are listening to The Pregnancy Podcast with Vanessa Merton. Hello, and thank you for tuning into The Pregnancy Podcast. Last week, we talked about water birth. I got into all of the benefits of water birth, as well as discussed some of the risks and the research available. A water birth may be an option in a birth center or even some hospitals, so it is not just a home birth thing. If you missed that episode, you can go back and check out episode 45. In today's episode, we are talking about natural birth in a hospital. If you want to have a natural birth, that does not mean that you have to have a home birth. And in fact, the majority of natural births take place in a hospital setting. I also have a special guest on today, Samantha Lee Wright, who is a pro on helping moms have a successful natural birth in a hospital. Samantha Lee Wright is a free-spirited, tech-loving, multi-passionate entrepreneur and mother. She has worked as a childbirth educator and doula for over five years, providing professional and compassionate care to her clients. Her mission in life is to help moms actively collaborate with life, whether that be in pregnancy, childbirth, health, or even business. She believes that every one of us can take charge, find our voice, and put ourselves in the driver's seat of life. She is the host for the number one essential oil podcast on iTunes and Stitcher, The Essential Oil Revolution, where she teaches um, the various ways to use essential oils and other healthy living tips to help families take control of their health. Samantha, thank you so much for joining me today. Oh my goodness. Thank you for having me. It's such an honor to be here and to get to spend this time with all your listeners. I just love everything that you're doing and this resource that you created for expectant parents is just fantastic. So thank you. It's really an honor to be here. Well, thank you so much. You are a woman of many, many talents. We met (laughs) a while back and I was a guest on the Essential Oil Revolution podcast, and we talked about using essential oils during pregnancy. I will link to that episode in the show notes if you want to learn more about how essential oils can help with some common ailments that you could be dealing with. So you guys can listen to that episode. So the reason that you are here today is to talk about natural birth in a hospital setting, which is a specialty of yours. Can you kind of just tell us maybe a little bit about how you ended up being an expert on this and how you got involved with navigating a natural birth in a hospital? Sure, I'd love to. Um, I think it really originates back to when I was a, a really young woman just starting to learn about my body. And that kind of led me down this really long rabbit hole learning about uh, pregnancy and childbirth. And I became very, very fa- infatuated with home birth. And um, I just loved the idea of giving birth at home, uh, where it's just so peaceful and you feel like you're at home because you are. And um, so I always planned on having a home birth. Um, and then I became pregnant and I was living in North Carolina where um, home birth midwives are not legally recognized as care providers. And that sort of threw a wrench in my plans. And I um, had to birth in the hospital. Um, and in between, you know, me being pregnant and me wanting a home birth and not getting one. I also had the great opportunity to work at our local OBGYN as a medical assistant with the certified nurse midwives there who delivered at the hospital. So I just got this really wonderful opportunity to get to know the the staff that worked at the hospital that delivered there and to really understand everything that went 
along with a hospital birth. Um, and so I, I went into it really informed. I also trained, um, got my certification as a childbirth educator before I even delivered. Um, so I kind of went in knowing everything, quote unquote. Um, and I think that my relationships that I'd built with the providers there helped as well. And, you know, I ended up having just this wonderful, wonderful experience giving birth in the hospital, um, without any interventions and without any medication. Um, and that's, so that's, I guess that's kind of how it became my specialty, I guess you could say. Um, but as a doula, when I work with clients and help them achieve their births, um, I get to see all the spectrum. So sometimes I work with clients that, want to go completely unmedicated with as little interventions as possible. And then sometimes I work with clients that want, quote unquote, all the drugs, you know, and I get to help them um, with that experience too. So I just, I love it all. Well, that is great that you kind of got into that by experiencing a natural birth in the hospital yourself. And one thing that you say that I just love is that you say your only choices in childbirth are not between an unnecessary cesarean or an orgasm in a hot tub. <laughs> and I think that that is so true. And I think that a lot of women feel that it's one or the other. You know, can you expand a little bit on what some of the in-between options are? Sure. Yeah. And um, there's so many in-betweens, so many in-betweens between those two pendulums. Um, I myself, I, I achieved two very low intervention, unmedicated verse in two separate, very modern hospitals and had wonderful experiences. They were not in a tub. They were not orgasmic. They were not, you know, drums playing and chants and whatnot <laughs> in the background. You know, they were pretty just normal hospital verse, um, but they just happened to be, you know, unmedicated and pretty uneventful, except for the birth itself. Um, and th it was a wonderful experience. Um, I also work with lots of clients that do the same thing. So over and over again, we're able to achieve, you know, the birth that they want in the hospital setting, um, really without much difficulty. Um, and then I work with clients that maybe wanted low intervention or, or unmedicated and in some, for some reason, they needed medical help during the birth. And they were very lucky and very fortunate to be able to get that medical help. Um, but all of those instances have ended in a vaginal birth and never even ended in a cesarean birth. So there's so much in between there. And there's so many more options available today, I think, than there were you know, 20 or 30 years ago, things like nitrous oxides are coming into hospitals. Um, lots of hospitals have tubs now that women can use, maybe not necessarily to give birth in, although some are doing that, but at least to labor in during the first stage of, of labor. Um, and freedom of movement is, you know, I, I don't think there's many hospitals now that are going to fight you on freedom of movement and low dim lights and playing music and, you know, having your essential oils on in the background. Like, right. I think hospitals are really opening up to a lot of these things. And it's wonderful. It is so wonderful to see. And I'm just sure that it's going to keep getting better as hospitals kind of get more on board with really centering their care around mom and just giving her the environment that's going to be best for her during labor and birth. Yeah, I really think it will improve. And I think collaborative care is becoming such the norm these days that it's it's a hope and I perceive that it's only going to get better from here. Yes, I absolutely agree. 
So we're talking about natural birth in terms of generally no pain medication and as little intervention as possible. I did cover natural birth a few weeks back in episode 40, and I'll link that to in the show notes if anyone missed that. Samantha, is there anything specific that you want to say about natural birth and maybe why some moms consider it or why it would be beneficial? Sure, absolutely. Um, there's a lots of reasons that women will choose, um, that, that sort of birth. And, um, the first one being that it's thought to perhaps lower your chance of having a cesarean birth or, or other interventions. That, that one's a little bit debatable. Um, I think that for those wanting to avoid, um, what we call sort of the cascade of interventions, I always recommend that if you are planning to get an epidural, you try to wait till at least six or seven centimeters until until active labor is really going and is not going to slow down or stall once you're laying down in bed um, and that kind of thing. Um, so that's just kind of a side note there. And then finances too. Sometimes if you are having to pay out of pocket for a hospital birth, it can be very expensive to get an epidural or have other interventions. So um, that's one incentive there for sure. Uh, some women just want to avoid the the side effects that are possible with an epidural or or other pain medications. And although those side effects are very very rare, uh, they are there, and that's enough for some women to say, "I don't want to risk it." Um, things like spinal injury, seizures, heart problems for the baby, um, or even just a really big fear of needles is enough for some women to say, "No thanks, um, I'm going to go. I'm going to go natural." But I think the most common or really what it comes down to for a lot of women is just embracing that philosophy or that idea that birth is a natural process, not a medical event. Um, and they want to experience the, the very visceral, very real experience that is childbirth that honestly is something that we can never duplicate <laughs> ever again in our lifetimes. You know, we only get to give birth so many times in our life. And it truly is one of the wildest, craziest, most hormonally charged, most powerful moments that you can ever have in your life without taking some pretty serious drugs. Right. So, you know, some women really want to feel that and experience that. Um, I sort of uh, like it to people that run those ultra marathons a little bit, you know, like ultra marathon runners. Some people think those people are just crazy. Um, And then some people are so into it. Yet with that analogy, I always like to point out that, you know, when we're talking to athletes or marathon runners, we as a culture tend to really like revere and praise those people as athletes, but yet we totally stigmatize the moms who want to birth without medication. We kind of put them in this box of as like stubborn, crunchy hippies or something, even though really I think we should treat them like ultra marathon runners and be like, you go girl, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Well, and I, you know, I see that too. I, I've certainly heard from several listeners that say I want to do a natural birth and everyone's telling me I'm crazy. And if you are considering a natural birth, you certainly are not crazy. Um, I think that that's an awesome decision if that's what's going to be right for you and definitely not crazy. And I think with a little bit of preparation and planning, you'll really set yourself up for a successful birth and to really get the birth experience that you want. Absolutely. I totally tune out the haters. Just tune them out and do your thing. (laughs) That is great advice. Samantha, what are some of the bigger challenges that you see moms running into when they are planning a natural birth in a hospital? 
Well, first and foremost, it's, it definitely comes down to sleep deprivation for a lot of women. Um, that in my experience, I've never worked with a client, um, that couldn't quote unquote, couldn't hack it, you know, like couldn't hack the pain. Um, except for I'm thinking of one client in particular that had this very rare thing happen in her hip where she had like this pinched nerve and every time a contraction came, it would like squeeze on that nerve and it was just excruciating pain for her. But that was a really rare sort of circumstance for the most part. Um, you know, women that go in with this attitude and with this, um, desire to do a, a natural birth can, can generally handle the contractions and the intensity just fine. But if they're sort of dealt this long labor card that's really unexpected sometimes, that's what can really throw a huge wrench into that plan. Because no matter how strong you are, no matter how tough you are, if you've if you're running on like, you know, you've been awake for 24 hours and haven't had any sleep and then you start to get to the hard part of labor, that is such a huge challenge. So one of the best pieces of advice I can give to moms who are planning a natural childbirth in the hospital is just to rest and sleep as much as you can during early labor um, so that you can save up your energy for when the job starts to get tough, which is active labor. Um, and if you want to know a really quick, easy trick to tell if it's time to go to the hospital or if you still should stay home, then before you jump in the car to go to the hospital, you take a bath at your home first. And if labor speeds up, then you're most likely in active labor, go to the hospital. If labor slows down or stalls, stay home, uh, try to sleep and wait for things to really pick up. So that's, I think, the biggest challenge of natural childbirth is just sleep deprivation. Um, and then the second one that's kind of related to that issue is um, induction. I think induction can really throw a wrench in people's plans um, or can really compl complicate people's plans. Um, and it's a very common um, obstacle that a lot of women are faced with, um, this decision to induce. Um, so that's kind of, I have similar advice for that, only since you're having an induction, you'll be at the hospital. Um, so just try to remember to sleep as much as you can, especially that first night that you're in the hospital when they're doing the cervical ripening before they get to the induction part. You can even go so far as to ask for a sleeping pill if you need to. But as much as you can save up that energy for active childbirth, um, that's really my biggest advice. That's an interesting one and not a challenge that I would have thought would be a big one in a hospital. Do you have some recommendations on what women can do to really work with their care provider to prepare for a natural birth? Absolutely. I think that this is so important. Um, first of all, I want to say that you should really put yourself in this mindset of a being a consumer and, and shop around for who you want to help you with your birth, with your pregnancy and your delivery. Um, a lot of times some women in especially smaller towns might not have very many options, but you'd really be surprised if you sort of expand your options to like a one hour or a two hour radius. You might expand your options and find that, oh my gosh, I have a birth center two hours away, or oh my gosh, there's a, a midwife office, you know, an hour away. Um, in general, I think 
certified nurse midwives are usually a better choice for parents wanting an unmedicated childbirth, but that's not always the case. I've worked with some amazing obstetricians that I kind of call them midwives in disguise because they're really so supportive of that. So that's really, I think the first step is really making that decision um, with lots of informed you know, talk to your friends, talk to your community and see which providers really enjoy working with parents that want uh, unmedicated birth. And then secondly, changing your mindset also to this mindset that instead of your instead of you being delivered, you are giving birth on a team. And it's it's kind of just a lexicon, a change of words. But if you think about, you know, we so often say like, oh, who's delivering you? Or I was delivered by this person. And I think that's such a kind of demoralizing mindset to put yourself in. But if you flip that and you say, I'm the one giving birth and I'm choosing this amazing team to help me with this process, then that really flips things in your mind. And I think that really changes the way that you talk to your care provider um, which hopefully, and I always, I always try to encourage people to use very compassionate language when they're talking to their care providers, you know, show respect and be really nice. And that's what you'll get in return most of the time. Um, this is not to be confused with like the good patient syndrome. I, I definitely don't advocate for that. Um, but I think there's a way that you can really communicate um, compassionately and, and not feel like you have to go in with your fist up, you know, ready for fighting right. and just talk to your care provider. And a birth plan, I think, is super helpful for this as well. Um, actually, I advocate for birth plans and and I work with my clients to write birth plans um, or birth wishes, as I like to call them. But we hardly ever even bring them into the birth room. I really only think they're very helpful as a tool to talk to your provider prenatally because that's where the conversation needs to happen. You can't wait right. till you're in the labor room to find out, oh, there are no tubs here or, oh, my provider doesn't like, you know, like for me to deliver in any position that I choose, you know? <laughs> right. That's the magic of the birth plan is all the planning that you do leading up to it so that you don't yeah. have to just hand someone a piece of paper with a list of demands and hope that things are going to go that the way you want them to go on the day of. And yeah. I'm also a huge, huge advocate of your care provider is on your team. You know, you're really working with them throughout your pregnancy and they're going to be there to make sure that you're healthy and that baby's healthy. And yes, they probably have some policies and procedures that they need to adhere to. But as long as you keep that communication open, I think that they will absolutely be right by your side trying to help you get the birth that you want. Yeah. And if they're not, then try to find someone that is, you know, but very rarely do I find providers that are so stubborn that they're not even going to have that conversation. But, you know, that is a big red flag. If you're with a provider that doesn't even want to have this conversation, then ask around and see if there's somewhere else you can go. Yes. You're never, ever stuck with a care provider. I think the earlier that you start working with somebody, probably the better. But there are certainly women that have switched in second, third trimesters to a different care provider. And it ended up being a good decision for them and paired them up with someone that was much more supportive of the birth that they wanted. Samantha, can you talk a little bit about how specifically having a doula can be beneficial, especially in a hospital setting? 
Yeah, absolutely. I love this topic. I think there's so many myths and misconceptions out there surrounding what it's like to give birth in the hospital and surrounding doulas as well. Um, but one of these big myths, I think, is that especially for women that are choosing a, a nurse midwife to deliver with in the hospital, they kind of have this vision of like, oh, I have a midwife. They're going to be by my side this entire time, holding my hand, massaging my feet helping me through this process. And that is is not the reality in most situations. The reality for nurse midwives in hospitals today is they have numerous patients that they're taking care of. Their biggest role is to help you with the delivery, to make sure that the delivery, the, the pushing stage goes well and the afterbirth is going well and safe. So they really tend to sleep a lot while you're in active labor and, and early labor, especially because they're sort of waiting for the show to begin, as it were, and they need to, st- and they need to save their energy for that. Um, so that leaves you really kind of alone. Um, and a lot of people think as well that they're going to have, um, a nurse kind of by their side filling in as that labor coach or as that comfort tool. Um, and, you know, you don't really have much control over who your nurse is going to be. Some nurses are fantastic. They love working with parents um, that are doing natural childbirth. And then some nurses just frankly aren't and they don't prefer that um, or they're really busy and things like that. So I think the biggest benefit a doula can provide is just that guaranteed consistency, that guaranteed person who's knowledgeable about childbirth, is skilled with their hands, is there for you and you alone to make sure that you are taken care of emotionally and physically um, and having that continuity and that being able to expect that and plan for that, I think puts so many women at ease because childbirth, you know, especially for your first birth, you're going into this very unknown situation and you don't have a lot of control over that process, but you, you can control that your doula is going to be there and you get to pick who that person is. And I think that's such a huge benefit and especially for women and partners. So I work with um, dads and partners a ton in childbirth and especially for partners that want to be really hands-on. I love working with those partners because I just get to sort of be that whisper in their ear and be like, Hey, I think you should squeeze her hips like this or, Hey, I think she really needs a kiss right now. And I get to be that whisper in, in their ear so that they get to be really involved in that process because otherwise they just, they're kind of scared. They don't know what to do. They don't know what to expect. And then I get to be that person that's just like, everything's cool, guys. This is exactly how it happens. And hey, here's an idea. Why don't we try this? Or why don't you go rub her feet like this and see how she likes it? Yeah. So sorry, I'm getting off on a tangent here. But I just think there's so many benefits to doulas. And they're really, they're really kind of filling this role in our healthcare system now that I think kind of used to be there. And it's just not anymore. Um, But thankfully, we as consumers can choose to have that role put back in by hiring a doula. Yes. And I do think it's really great that you bring up how a doula is really there to support your partner, too. I had interviewed a doula for the podcast a while back, and she was saying that she felt sometimes dads felt like a doula was there to usurp their role. And it was 
you know, the complete opposite of that, that a doula is really there to just support mom and dad. And, and oftentimes when you're doing your best, it's when you're not involved very much at all. And you're just kind of there to support and let mom and dad do what they need to do during labor and birth. Absolutely. If I have time to share a quick story about that, I was recently out of birth and there was, it was, it was me. It was the mom, um, her husband, her mom, her two best friends and her sister were all there as part of the care team. And it was her second birth too. It wasn't even her first birth. So she had literally, um, I think six or seven people there just as her emotional, physical support, plus the nurse and the midwife. So it was a, a very crowded room. And there were moments in the birth that I was like, what am I doing here? And, <laughs> but then, you know, as, especially towards the end, things started to get rough. And, um, and the, the husband was super hands on. I mean, he was, holding her, doing hip squeezes. He was in the bathtub with her during active labor. Like he was so on it. Um, but towards the end, things started to really get kind of rough. And I could tell that he was getting kind of rattled and she was getting really rattled. So I just sort of like took him aside and I said, all right, here's what you need to do. Go right up to her face, tell her to look into your eyes and tell her that she can do this. And so he did that. And I, and I kept giving him sort of these other tips. And after the birth, I, I get a text from, from the, the mom. I was just checking in and seeing how they're doing. And she said, like, she was just, I couldn't thank you enough. She said he knew exactly what he needed to do when I needed to do it. And that he told me that it was really just you telling him what to do the whole time. <laughs> I thought that was. Uh, really hilarious. And I just learned a lot from that birth that, you know, as a doula, it, it really doesn't matter what I'm doing with my hands. Um, I'm just, I'm there to help everybody that wants to be involved, be involved, but just with a little more skill and finesse, I guess. <laughs> right. Another side note as well, there is research that shows having a doula really decreases your chances of a cesarean section, um, that it decreases use of medications. And I'll have to pull that up, but I can definitely link to that in the show notes too. Yeah, um, ACOG actually came out with a study that said doulas were the number one preventative measure for cesarean sections. All right, I will track that down and put it in the show notes as well. Well, Samantha, you've been giving us so many good tips. I love it. So we talked about resting and early labor and really planning for your birth and developing a birth plan, really working with your care provider as a member of your team. We've talked about a doula. Do you have any other tips for moms who are planning a natural birth, specifically in a hospital, and maybe some things that they can do in addition to what we've talked about to really set themselves up for success? Sure. Yeah. I think we have sort of, you know, thrown them in throughout this interview. Um, definitely staying at home as long as possible. Just stay home, guys, until active labor is undeniable. Okay. Unless like it's a snowstorm and you live an hour away from the hospital, just stay home. Um, and that will get you very far so long as you're resting and sleeping too and hiring a doula. Um, so the only other piece of advice I think I want to add to that is just to stay positive. Um, attitude is everything when it comes to childbirth. And that is only something that you can give yourself is going in with this really positive attitude about your environment, about your body, about birth itself. Um, so I always like to say 
you know, surround yourself with positivity during pregnancy surrounding birth. And this can be kind of tricky sometimes in our culture. Um, so I just like to give all moms total, per- total permission to create this bubble around them of, of positivity for childbirth. So do not go on YouTube and start searching for birth videos. Um, no pregnant community chat rooms. So if you go to those sort of chat rooms where people are talking about, you know, pregnancy and childbirth, people just love to share horror stories and negative bad news um, way more than I like to share normal positive news. That's just a fact. So if you go to those places, you're going to come across these horror stories that are going to scare the bejesus out of you. And you just don't need to surround yourself with that. If you can avoid watching um, Hollywood movies or TV scenes that have childbirth in them, just avoid them as much as possible. I don't think I've ever, I think I've seen maybe one positive birth scene in a Hollywood movie. And that's just, of course, because it's not as entertaining to watch a normal, you know, boring, slow childbirth than a intense, crazy one. Um, So avoid those as much as possible and try to surplant our sort of negative culture of childbirth with really positive things. Um, my website, samanthaleewright.com, I have a, a blog post on there that is my collection of my favorite birth videos. So those are sort of filtered and you, you're, you're sure to be able to watch those videos and come, come out with this really positive image of childbirth. If you can surround yourself with really positive birth stories by by reading those or asking people for their positive birth stories, that can help. Um, there's also a podcast. I'm sure you've heard of it, Vanessa, The Birth Hour. Yes, and I will definitely link to that in the show notes. Cool. Yeah, that's a great. That's a great. It doesn't have like a lot of content so much as. Um, like just empowering birth stories, which I think is so helpful when you're in this very vulnerable state of pregnancy and you're sort of forming these ideas of childbirth. Samantha, I could not agree more about really just surrounding yourself with positivity and keeping a positive attitude around birth. What about if things don't go as planned and interventions end up becoming necessary or you end up wanting to opt into something like an epidural. Do you have any advice on preparing for this or dealing with it if it happens? Yeah, that can be so devastating for parents that are you know, planning, they've, they've read all the books, they've done all the work, they've been planning for this natural childbirth for, you know, almost nine months or more even. And, um, and then something comes up and that just doesn't happen. That can be really, really hard. So first of all, I just want to give permission to mourn. If that does happen, I, I do think that the, the loss of your, what you envisioned your birth to be, um, it is, a, it's sad. It can be really, really sad. And it's okay to acknowledge that and to mourn that a little bit. Um, I think it's really important that if that happens, following up with your care provider after the birth. And I'm not talking like the hour or the, the next day after the birth. I'm talking like your, your three day appointment that you have with your care provider. Use that opportunity to talk to them about what happened and why it happened um, because you won't really be able to process the why of what's happening while it's happening. Um, But I do think it's really helpful to go back and process that later because so many moms will, they always blame themselves when something comes up. And 
we forget that, you know, it's, we live in this day and age where we're so lucky to have all of these wonderful tools at our hands that are truly life-saving. Um, it's estimated, and this number is really debatable. I'll just throw that out there, really debatable, but it's estimated that between 10 and 20% of all medical interventions during childbirth are medically necessary for the health of the mom and or the health of the baby. And that that's a pretty large number, but we tend to totally forget that. And we tend to forget that we used to have this fear um, back in the day of women dying in childbirth or us losing our babies and having that be a pretty common occurrence. Um, but I think as much as we understand those numbers and we understand that it is out of our control, that birth is its own authority, when it's happening, um, we still blame ourselves and we still um, we still kind of come to this conclusion of what if I'd done something different? What if my provider had done something different? And then of course, social media and our culture is, I think, very unsensitive to these types of situations. There's so much mom shaming and doctor shaming going on. And it can be really hard to process and get past that if that does happen. So in the end, I think kind of understanding that and and trying not to blame yourself. And I think focusing on gratitude in those situations can be really helpful. Just pick something to be grateful for, whether that be that you're still alive or your baby's still alive or, you know, that birth didn't take as long. I don't know. Just pick something to really focus on and be grateful for. And that that can really help um, but also the other side of that is allowing yourself to mourn. I think one of my least favorite sayings that we have in our culture right now is that all that matters is a healthy mom and a healthy baby. Um, I think that is can be really unsensitive to a mom that does have a healthy, you know, she's still alive, her baby's still alive, but her experience was maybe very traumatic and very hurtful for her. And then she feels like she's not allowed to like feel those feelings because people are telling her that that doesn't matter, that all that matters is she has a healthy body and a healthy baby. So it's, a, you know, it's a very intense topic and I could talk more about it, but I'll stop myself from there. <laughs> I think, I think you bring up some excellent points. I mean, I think so much of our attitude and our experience is just the lens at which we are viewing things. So, you know, if, if your birth doesn't go quite as planned and you're looking back on that as a negative experience and that you did something wrong and you didn't plan enough, you know, which is I'm sure not the case. You don't want to look back on that experience as a negative thing. So I think that your your advice of going back and talking to your doctor and kind of working through that is really great advice. Not to mention that right after birth, you've got hormones doing wacky things mm, and yeah. some <laughs> possibly an emotional roller coaster going with that. To kind of close out everything today, I wish that we could just sit here talking for hours. I love picking your brain and getting your viewpoint on all of this stuff. In closing, can you share one piece of advice that you would really like to share with the listeners? Go with the flow. So I think as women, we like to really try to control everything in our lives. And when it comes to pregnancy and childbirth, you just can't control everything. You have to do the work, put in the work to make your birth plan and learn everything you want to learn. And then in the end, you got to go with the flow. That is perfect advice. I love it. Thank you so much for sharing that. 
Samantha, thank you so, so much for taking the time to talk with me today and to share everything with all of your expertise. And I think you have some awesome tips. I will be sure to put links to everything that we've mentioned in the show notes. And I'll be sure as well to include all of your contact info so that people can get in touch with you. Before you go, do you want to just say anything else and let everybody know where we can find you? and get more information on what you're working on? Yeah, absolutely. My my personal website, samanthaleewright.com. That's L-E-E-W-R-I-G-H-T. samanthaleewright.com. That's sort of the hub for everything I've got going on. So you can find um, the Essential Oil Revolution podcast from there. You can kind of check out everything I've got going on. Um, and coming very soon, I will have um, a free five-step course that helps parents um, develop their birth wishes, um, establish really positive relationships with their care providers and also gives just really practical tips for pregnancy and childbirth. So if you stay tuned, um, check out the site that should be coming really soon. To recap today's episode, we talked all about natural birth in a hospital. And Samantha gave us some really great advice on some things that you can do to overcome some common challenges and have a natural birth in a hospital setting. I want to thank you for tuning into the Pregnancy Podcast today. I hope that you find this episode helpful. Next week, we are talking about erythromycin eye ointment and the vitamin K shot. These are two procedures that are routine for newborns. If you've seen my birth plan, then you know that I chose to opt out of one of these procedures. Next week, I am going to be talking about what these two things are, why they are done, what it involves, and what your options are. So tune in next week for the details on erythromycin and vitamin K. As always, you can contact me, Vanessa, at PregnancyPodcast.com. You can find notes and resources for this episode at PregnancyPodcast.com forward slash episode 46. You are welcome to join me in the Pregnancy Podcast community on Facebook, where you can connect with some other expecting moms and ask questions specific to what you are going through in your pregnancy and planning for your birth. I will put a link to that group in the show notes.